just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Well, hey everyone! Happy Friday! Welcome back to Good Game. Nice try. Uh, I am OMG's Firefox, joined by my lovely co-host Aaron Blair. OMG, it's Blay. Aww, is that our is that our ship name? What is that? No, I was just saying like you you got a cool nickname. OMG, it's Firefox. Yeah. I'm trying to come up with a cool nickname instead of how about so you have OMG, it's Firefox. What about if it's like oh no, it's Blay? Honestly, <laughs> yeah. Actually, that that fits. I think that tracks. There we go. Same thing. <laughs> uh, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm dying to know, by the way. Like, I haven't been sleeping well because I've just been tossing and turning up all night wondering what the Hades update is. <laughs> how Now, fill people in, Sonia, on what's going on with you and Jen and the lovely game Hades. So, I started playing Hades um, and Jen had already played through and had made it topside. But mm-hmm. one thing that we didn't discuss until I, I don't, I can't remember how long ago it was, but how many attempts it took us. And when Jen found out that she completed it and made it topside in 41 attempts, she found out that I was getting pretty close to that. And I, I think you might be a little competitive. But. Oh, just a just a tad. And like the the thought of beating you at this is really <laughs> exciting to me. All the single Hades, all the single, single Hades. Hades. All the yeah, because I, I think up. you had made you had made a comment like I that I, I feel like you don't consider yourself a, like a true gamer, which I want to I want to throw that out the window. Okay. Well, I, thank you. I appreciate that. But you are like a legit gamer. So if I beat you with this, I think it just ups my cred ever so slightly. Yeah. It's like in the prison yard when you take down one of the gang leaders. You know, you that become is how, the exactly leader. how I see it. Yeah. That's prison exactly. rules, man. GGNT, yep. we run on prison rules. All right. All right. So I, I, I've made a couple attempts since. And I am getting closer and closer. So if I can beat it in 41, we do have a little side bet. Yeah. I, if you can beat it in 41, I will buy you in and out Burger. Which is pretty big stakes. Which is like very high stakes. Mm-hmm. And I also have to say that every time Sonia has like attempted another one, she'll text me a photo of it. And I get so anxious when her <laughs> name pops up on my oh phone. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're like, and I'm like, oh no, like, because I think this is it. She beat it, you know. This is the one. I think I actually sent you a photo of. Uh, I had, I had gotten to the point where I got to Hades. Yes, and so I was like, oh no, I could feel it through your text. Oh, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And I think that was what, like, attempt like 38. I think so. It it's was. like you're inching very closer. So the fact that you've made it that far, I'm just like, oh boy. So yeah. how many how many more attempts? How many more attempts do you have, Sonia? I think that had to have been maybe 37 or so because I just checked. I am on 38. <gasps> wow. So I have I have like three left. Oh boy. And I I've gotten <laughs> I've gotten so close, so so close. But that's the problem too. Is now when I play. Because if you've played Hades, you know that when you sit down and you're like, I'm going to do a run and I'm going to go through it, it's mm-hmm. a commitment. It's, it's a like commitment. a 40-minute commitment to yeah. go through and do a full run. So oh, yeah. now when I sit down, I'm like, okay, now I know that I'm going to be at peak stress for the next 42 minutes and I need to, <laughs> I need to like perform at like max gamer energy 
It's the highest stakes. I have not had in and out since the last time that we had in and out. <laughs> what? Wow. I know. That was last summer. Oh, so it's now a long it's time. even more high stakes. Now you're just holding out for that free meal. I am. Wow. Okay. Wow. Well, thir- run 38. Mm-hmm. Okay. Getting close. Inching closer. Getting close. We'll see. Getting what a nail close. biter. Getting close. And I will keep you all updated uh, nice. on my next run. So I'm going to try to make some more time for it coming up because I am hungry and I am craving in and out So <laughs> I love that's, that's next up. But I don't want to take any more time away because our guest today... Uh, is incredible. He's the senior director of Able Gamers, an organization that creates opportunities to enable play and improve the quality of life for those with disabilities. Video games are for everybody, uh, and Steven is working to make the gaming space and the world just a better place. It's so vital. He recently turned 40, and in honor of that, he had such a badass birthday. <laughs> he raised a million dollars for Able Gamers, which is just absolutely incredible. We had an amazing time chatting with him and learning so much. Here's our interview with Steven Spawn. Well, Steven, I'm so thrilled to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I, you know, we've been following each other on Twitter for a little minute, so it is nice to actually be able to meet you. Uh, <laughs> not quite face to face, but Zoom to Zoom. It's the new, it's the new face. Thanks for being on my screen for a while. I yeah, yeah. I am. I'm really excited to hear, uh, you know, all the latest at Able Gamers and everything that you're working on right now. Um, but for those at home who might not be fully familiar with what you do and all the wonderful work that you're that you're contributing to. I think maybe a good intro might be talking about a pretty big birthday that you just had not <laughs> not too long ago. Yeah, I, my 30th birthday was great. I uh, actually <laughs> turned 30 and I went to Atlantic City. It was pretty awesome. Now, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, w- I was very blessed in that I had a predicament to figure out, right? So I am a profoundly disabled individual uh, with a terminal illness, which basically means that I've got a few years left on the old clock. uh, But before that, I got to figure out, well, what the heck am I going to do with these years? And, you know, the thing about growing up disabled is when you are terminal, they don't really talk about your later years in life. So, you know, everybody talks, well, when I turn 40 or when I turn 50, I'm going to go jump off a perfectly good airplane or something like that. And, (laughs) And But I never thought about that. So I didn't buy the airplane oversight on my part um <laughs> but i did get to do some cool things like make friends with the rock and stuff like that and and i thought well you know how the heck do you do you top that and so i decided to try to raise a million dollars for yeah. the able gamers charity to tell people with disabilities and the internet just rallied and they were amazing and honestly uh, hitting that million uh, for the birthday probably the best birthday I'm ever going to have which means it's all downhill from here so thanks a lot <laughs> I peaked that's right I'm done <laughs> I'll, I'll say I'll say like the rock could do like a reverse skydive for you and throw you into a plane honestly <laughs> you know, better I, to know the rock than it said to skydive I'd assume he could grab me midair and just point me at the plane and I would just land into it <laughs> <laughs> exactly. uh, man a million bucks dang yeah. Congratulations. That's mm-hmm. No, it's huge. And that's, I mean, that's a gigantic peak to hit for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was for, uh, that was for Able Gamers, which you've been a part of for mm-hmm. quite some time. Yeah, more than 16 years now. Okay, it's been, a couple, it's been a a couple years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I joined uh, back when I was 12. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a long time. <laughs> Not a day over 20. Not That's a day right. over 20. That's right. Don't don't tell my birth certificate differently. <laughs> I got way more gray hair than you, man. Yeah, yay. Hey, the beauty of camera tricks. That's a <laughs> <laughs> It's just a filter. That's right. Yeah, that's actually just a, actually just three raccoons in a skin suit right now. I'm not even <laughs> <laughs> We're not Aren't we all, man. Aren't we we all? won't tell anyone. We won't tell anyone. Yeah. Uh, but what's, you know, I know that you've been involved for a really long time what yeah. is your primary role what's your day-to-day um what's exciting you right now because i know you guys are, are helping in so many different angles yeah you know the wild part about working with such a great charity is that your day-to-day changes all the time so when i started the million dollar goal and right before it i was chief operations which meant i generally ran around the internet just uh trying to convince people that disabled people exist i know it's hard to believe i'm here to break the news people with disabilities actually do exist um 
What? I know. I know. It's shocking. If you need a minute, we can stop recording. Um, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, uh, after this, you know, influx of support in a financial way, we were able to, to do things like hiring out a real PhD to run our peer counseling department, which gives people with disabilities the equipment they need in order to play video games by doing one-on-one assessments. And we were actually able to hire someone to do the mental health part of the charities to, to prove to the world the thing all of us gamers know that playing games helps you with social problems. It helps you be able to defeat depression, to defeat social isolation. You know, like in this pandemic, you would think that by now we would get the idea that social isolation is bad. But there are still people out there who have not been proven. So, you know, we hired someone with a lot of letters behind their name to help us prove that case. And so Man. that's that's what where all this money that we raised went. And so now my day to day is that I get to do cool things like come talk to y'all and, and get to talk about the fact that not only do people with disabilities exist, but in the video game space and particularly can thrive. So it's not just surviving anymore. We're now out there and living our best lives. Yeah. One thing that I, I mean, you do so many incredible things with Able Gamers, but one major thing that really stood out to me that I, I, it's so, just so freaking cool, uh, player panels, Mm. which is so, it's such a win-win on so many sides. Um, you know, I, I could, I could ramble on of what I've learned about it recently, but I'd love for you to touch on, on that. Cause I think that's such a cool part of, uh, you know, the charity as a whole. Yeah. You know, player panels is a great part of our organization where we actually take people with disabilities and we have a, think of it almost like a database of people where the industry can come and say, hey, uh, we want to make sure that our game works with players who have one hand, or we want to make sure that blind gamers can still play our game. And we can actually filter out people by their disability so that they can be the Q&A testers that the publishers actually need. And instead of just looking at a checklist and going, yep, looks like blind friendly to me, you can actually have a blind gamer play the game. You can actually have a deaf gamer play your game and make sure that it works. And that actually does two things. Number one, it ensures that the game is accessible and not just that we're saying it is. And two, it enables the person who has the disability to get their foot into the industry. This this is not an easy industry to break into. You know, it's it's uh, whatever someone says. Oh, my kid really wants to get in video games. I go, why? Please don't don't. There's there's other things out there. Um, Anything else? Really? Uh, it's you know such a high turnover rate. It's so hard to get in. It it really helps a lot of people. And so we can get gamers with disabilities into the credits of these AAA games and it, it just helps their careers from the get-go. Yeah, and I mean, and, and you know, it's like if you have a, the disability, you're going to come up with so many more things mm-hmm. than somebody who's just trying to, oh, sure, I guess this will work, you know, uh-huh. trying to guess at it. So that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. What, what was kind of the beginning of your gaming experience and when did you kind of first realize that like the power of gaming or the game, the games for you had such great power? You know, it's pretty interesting that I happened to get an invitation to come talk to y'all when and sometimes I feel like the universe just talks in weird circles, but I, <laughs> it, it sometimes and, and today I got followed on Twitter by Lord British himself. Uh, and and I, I feel like Ultima Online was where everything started for me. It's, oh, wow. uh, it's, it's where I learned that you could have a, uh, a video game presence, an avatar that was the representative of yourself in the digital space, where I learned that I could have a second life where I wasn't disabled and I could go make friends and I could go be part of a guild and a group with people and purpose. And that game, Ultima Online, I know for half of the audience, you're like, what is that game? I know I'm old <laughs> as a dinosaur. I get it. But for me, Ultima Online was where it really became a thing that was beyond just going to my friend's garage and playing a, you know, Street Fighter. It was where this world existed, where humans yeah. were, and I could make friends. And Ultima Online is where I found some of my best friends. I still talk to today. I found a girlfriend that I was with for three and a half years in real life. It was, it was, you know, it wasn't just a game to me. It was a place where you could meet and you could find parts of yourself. And honestly, without that game, I don't think I would be talking to you now because that girlfriend <laughs> taught me that I didn't need to just live my life out until I died, that I could have a purpose. My friends that I made back then taught 
taught me that I could actually be a leader as I became a guild leader in the game. And, you know, they taught me the, some of the early skills I needed to be who I am now. That's awesome, man. You know, I'm single, dude. I is ultimate online. Are those so, so servers still on there? <laughs> I, I mean, I can try to hook you up. I mean, I, apparently oh, I know man. Richard now, so I can be like, hey, uh, yeah. send him a DM a, real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think you really hit upon a, a huge thing, which is like games did this for me as well. It gave me confidence. Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I was and to this day, I'm still not a big like multiplayer playing with other people kind of guy. But even just the fact that I could fail repeatedly at something, yeah. you know, and then overcome. I think like took I took that much like you took that out into the real world and it affected my life in 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 a really you know in a really profound way yeah yeah and so you know it, it, it's an it's an interesting thing and, and also like I think Ultima Online is big enough where most people are, are you would you would hope so at least this is where everything came from a lot of the ideas yeah. of MMOs and whatnot you know <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, when I joined Able Gamers, as a matter of fact, the, the, I asked for no compensation from my mo- my boss, Mark Barlett. I just asked for one thing. Uh, I loved Star Wars Galaxies at the time, and they were just in the process of starting to shut it down. I was like, I will work for you, but I want his email because I'm going to send him an email and tell that guy exactly what I think of him shutting down this game. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> and did you? I did. Yes, yes. I did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, anybody who follows me on Twitter knows I have no problem standing my ground. That's <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> Uh, but no, you've really, I mean, again, you really touched on a good point of like just the community in games, which I feel like yeah. us in like the gamer sphere really understood for a while. But I don't think it was until, you know, the beginning of the pandemic where everyone is inside and a lot of people who maybe weren't in that sphere before turned to that mm-hmm. to stay connected and got into games. You know, at the beginning, I was playing Animal Crossing. I was playing mm-hmm. the shit out of that. Um, <laughs> so it was very good timing. <laughs> um, and that brought a lot of a lot of my friends together like on a regular basis but you know there there is something about that and i feel like a lot more people are recognizing that i totally agree i one of my earliest memories that i get to talk about every once in a while uh, and i know we're a comedy show so i'm not going to go too serious but you know was back in the hospital um i was uh, when i was given a trach which is a breathing tube in my throat that enables me to breathe on a ventilator um basically i was at the death's door and my outside world was completely cut off i was shoved in the hospital for weeks on end i think i ended up being there for a total of nine and a half months uh and and it was it was it was a difficult time in my life but early in the day there was this very rudimentary system where they wheeled a old ctr and a, a giant computer that had like a life of its own into your room and it connected to like a almost think of a chat room 3d chat room where you could go in and there were palm trees and oasises and it was very rudimentary graphics back in the day but it was supposed to be this oasis where patients could talk to each other and i met a starfish there that was very nice and in a hospital that i still to this day don't know where but we would talk about our patient uh, care and our our parents and about nurses and it allowed us to kind of connect to one another. And sometimes I think about that starfish from time to time because like she enabled me to sort of have someone else, someone who was going through that with me. And it, the, the video games, in a lot of ways, really helped me get through that. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, incredible. that sounds like, yeah, the beginning of VR chat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a, yeah. Yeah, that's, wow. That's yeah. incredible. So from something like that, like seeing that and having those experiences of like early technology in that realm, how far do you think we've come now? And how far do you think we need to go? <laughs> I mean, listen, we're, we're not the Star Trek deck just yet. Um, you know, we, we need to get there. Um, do I have to pay five dollars for that reference, by the way? I don't know how this works. Um, <laughs> we'll cover the licensing. Oh, thank yeah, you. We got Appreciate it. that. Just don't sing the th- Star Trek theme song or we're in trouble. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, no, no. Okay. Well, uh, it's fine. Uh, the producer said I could do it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, I think that we have a ways to go. Um, I, I think we want us to be farther than we really are. You know, people are thinking about how great virtual reality is and how everything should be accessible. And, you know, we're not there yet. We're not at the point yet where I can say, you know, guess what, guys? We did it. It's successful. Throw the banner on the aircraft carrier. We did it. <laughs> All right. Wrap uh, it up. Go home, guys. Yeah, woo, woo. <laughs> 
going. Uh, not quite. And, uh, you know, it's more about things like augmented reality. It's so cool now. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we just saw it with the wild card game where Nickelodeon put slush monsters on the field, right? <laughs> As soon uh, as I saw that, I'm like, okay, fine. I'll watch football. Okay. <laughs> That's what it takes. That's right. That's what it took. Uh, and, you know, I, I think we're getting there. We're getting to some really cool things. And there's some really cool things that they have obviously stolen from gaming that will work mm-hmm. great for real life. And I, I'm excited for those things. You know, I just think that we need to keep in mind, you know, when we're fighting for something we believe in, like us accessibility advocates, a lot of us are often very, very passionate, but it's important to remember that we need to push the industry along while also remembering that the technology is not totally there yet. It's still being baked. There are some things that still need to come along and, you know, uh, like the Microsoft accessible controller that we got to work with Microsoft to build. I mean, you know, it's, it's great. The Xbox adaptive controller is awesome, but it's not a silver bullet. We can't go slay a bunch of monsters with it. There are still some issues that need tackled. So, you know, it's it's a mix of an answer. I think we were we've come a long way. We're just not there yet. That's incredible. Yeah. I uh, I didn't know that you all had a hand in oh, the yeah. <laughs> uh, in the Microsoft Adaptive Controller. That's really cool. We were in a we were called in early. Um, a friend of mine over at Microsoft was like, "We have this really cool thing. We're doing with Xbox. You should totally check it out. Love your opinions." I'm like, "Okay, great." So I get to go to this meeting. I bring along my coworker Craig Kaufman. We go to this meeting. We're the first two on the ground for Able Gamers in this secret room in which we're on a zoom call just like this and we get into the room and my friend is like listen so glad you're here uh we need all of your pain points and to learn everything you've done uh and of course they're referencing a controller that we had built at able gamers a year or two before that had actually done similar things you could plug in switches you could operate an xbox controller like a piano in front of you and not have to hold the controller so they wanted to learn what it is that we did and what the pain points were that we experienced well the problem was that they didn't get approval for their lawyers to show us the actual product yet. So the guy goes, but we have a plan B. And he pulls out a legal pad and he's like, they didn't say I couldn't draw it for you. So he starts <laughs> drawing it on a legal pad with the with the actual device off screen so he can't see it. And he's like, yeah, this is what it looks like from a profile. Here it is from the back. And so, <laughs> so, so he gets around the lawyers by drawing it for us. And we get to tell them all the things that we experienced with it. It was so awesome to just watch the lawyers just be like, you son of a... <laughs> just like the one single bead of sweat dripping down. Like, yep. like mm, you're getting close. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. Uh, so funny. We worked for three and a half years in secrecy. And then the next meeting, wow. they actually did get to show us it. But uh, So for three and a half years, we worked with them uh, in secret to bring this controller to life. And, uh, you know, it's awesome. I just, the only, of course, there's with the internet, there's always a caveat to everything. And then my, my only complaint is always just that people are like, well, we made a controller. We did it. We're done with accessibility now. No. Still work to be done. <laughs> Love it. For sure. But those are some, pre- I mean, definitely really big steps in the right direction. Um, are there companies or are there people who you think, uh, you know, when they're developing games that they're they're doing something right, that they are really taking the right steps, taking the right considerations to, you know, going forward? I think Xbox and Sony are both doing everything they can to help push disabilities and work with organizations like Able Gamers and work with individuals to push not only the technology, but the humans. Sometimes we kind of doctorize or clinicalize you know, what we're doing here. Like, you know, the kidney in bed three needs a controller. You know, that's that's not what this is all about. There actually are humans that have feelings and heart. And so we need to remember that gamers exist and they need help. So that's why we're doing this whole thing, right? So I think they're doing great. Uh, I just think that there's some unfortunate publishers out there like Nintendo that I like to joke and say Nintendo don't because they they don't really think about people with disabilities a lot. Most recently, mm-hmm. one of their Pokemon games, they decided to put in a element of the game that helps you be able to have closed captioning and hearing options in the game behind a side quest that's not even marked. And <gasps> it's like, why did you put an accessibility Whoa. feature in a side quest? Like, I, I don't understand why they do this. Yeah. That's so aggravating. Yeah, it's very aggravating. So... You know, and, and it's heartbreaking because, you know, uh, when I was chief operations before I went to this guy that runs around the internet and does cool things like talking to y'all, I, I had to 
read emails from moms that were saying, hey, my son really wants to play this Nintendo IP and they can't. And what do we do? And it's like, well, here's your couple of options. If that doesn't help, I don't know what to tell you because we can't help you. You know, hopefully they come around and, you know, I know that they're not just like, oh, good, disabled people, you know, F them. But, you know, they're just not quite thinking about people with disabilities. And I hope they change that in the future because they have some great IP. It's so surprising to me as well, because, you know, you think about, you know, innovators in the video game space when it comes to hardware. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Wii changed changed the landscape oh. of things. Like they could easily, I I would love just to see what Nintendo, if they put their you know their their minds their heads uh, together, would come up with. Uh, I can really blow your mind here. So you hit the nail on the head there, buddy. Aaron, the <laughs> smartest person in the room. Actually, that's hit, not true. Uh, but thank, I'll take actually it. Actually, well, you hit it on the head, my friend. Wait until you hear this. They were the first ones to design an accessible controller back in the eighties. Nintendo had. A controller that if you were a quadriplegic or a paraplegic, you could put a PVC pipe around your neck and it held a mouth joystick that would connect to the original NES and it would enable you to play with just your mouth. Wow. Yeah. And at some point in time, they were like, <laughs> oh, like, we did it, Nintendo. Yeah. What happened? That's crazy. Well, for you know, for for the Nintendos and for people out out there, and for people who are you know actively in game development now, I'm sure mm-hmm. this is your daily, and you're yes. you know screaming this to everybody. <laughs> but just to put <laughs> a bigger megaphone to it, uh, what are I guess like the main points that you would love to get across to game developers, anyone aspiring to get into game oh. development? anything across the board you know good game design is accessible game design that is the point of Mm. why we do what we do you know um we i gave an award uh through able gamers right Uh, i was i was privileged to be the one handing over the award to star wars the old republic the mmo right they did amazing things like allowing you to bend down and loot one body it would loot all the bodies around you or be able to push one button on your keyboard and it pushed three buttons in the game they made some really good advancements that everybody loves for quality of life right so we tried to give them an award that said you know this is the most accessible game of the year this is amazing well done and the guy pushed back on me in public at PAX and basically said, oh, we didn't design this for people with disabilities. We were just trying to make good game design. We don't really deserve that. But, you know, I'm here because they asked me to be. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, sir. Uh, turns out, actually, and I just sort of went off on about how good game design is quality of life improvements. It is golden game design. Uh, when you're designing for people with disabilities, you're not designing for special use cases. You're just trying to make people's lives better. And sometimes those people happen to be disabled. Sometimes they're not, but they're still making somebody's life better. And so, long story short, he took the award and sort of walked out of the room and never talked to me again. But, um, you know, uh, the cool part was that we kind of got this public stage to have this, you know, giant debate about, you know, you don't have to design things specifically for the wheelchair in pod three. You're designing a good game and you're making options for people to play the game comfortably. So that's (laughs) really what it's all about. And then, you know, since then, we had the privilege of bringing in these really smart individuals like Dr. Chris Power, who came in from the University of York, now over at Prince Edward Island. He, one of the the best professors I've ever met, brilliant like you wouldn't believe, comes in, goes, okay, I see what you're trying to do there, and then designs this entire course accessible.games that developers can go to right now free of charge you can go see all these cool things if you are a developer that will make your game more accessible completely for free now there's you know a course behind it you can take if you want to be certified you know yes i'm an accessible practitioner and some of the big studios are doing that in droves but the people who are just indie developers starting out Go to the website, accessible.games, check it out, and learn how to make your game available to as many people as possible. That's very great. cool. I love I love smart people. I know the best. I know. I see. I just get to show up and look pretty, and I look at the smart <laughs> people over here. Like such a great point. You know, like great game design is 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 accessible. It's kind of like it, it kind of reminds me of that the old adage of like when you're making a logo, it should look good without any colors. It, that, yeah. A good logo design works in all in all ways for every context, and that's I you know that's true for game design too. It is. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to sixty percent on new arrivals from Vince, Rag and Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. 
But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Those people who mm-hmm. you know don't really necessarily think or, or about, they just pick up a game and they're they're yep. lucky enough to be able to play it as is and take it for granted. Like, what are some of the most common challenges that able gamers face that the general public might not be aware of? Uh, well, uh, turned into a seven hour podcast. Fantastic. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, how much time do we have? <laughs> yeah, but just, just something like like for instance, like people who who are listening, you know, our audience, yep. and they're, they're they are you know lucky enough to just be able to play whatever they. They yeah. would not think about that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the thing of it is people don't think about the accessible world around them. So the greatest example I can ever give in a situation like this is the curb cut effect. Uh, are you two aware of curb cuts and why they yeah, exist? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who don't, the, the TLDR here is that essentially when the ADA came into existence in america we decided that well sidewalks need to be accessible so let's cut a 45 degree angle out of them and then the wheelchairs will be able to go up and down sidewalks well that was fantastic but what they discovered along the way was that not only did that help wheelchairs but the mom with the baby stroller was didn't have to throw her child up onto the sidewalk the guy who's <laughs> delivering fedex packages to the doors didn't have to throw the boxes up in front of the door he could slide it up the ramp and they discovered that the curb cut effect is actually a process by which something is designed specifically for people with disabilities but then is found to help the general public and the curb cut effect continues in games today and what we had to really do at able gamers was come in and teach people that this kind of accessibility was not just good for a niche part of your audience. Some people thought it was the 12 of us in wheelchairs, apparently, that play video games. It turns out that the more than 46 million of us can teach the lot of gamers out there who are able-bodied that there are some cool accessibility features out there that will help them too. So there was this kind of weird stigma that we had to fight in the beginning where it wasn't just that people with disabilities exist. It wasn't just that accessibility needed to be a thing. It was that they should pay attention because it made a business case and a heart case. It wasn't just one or the other. You know, back when I started this, back when pterodactyls were in the sky, there was there was a petition that got a lot of press because all it was asking for was the ability to remap video games. That's it. They wanted to do just be able to make video games remappable. And that's something today that we just go, of course it is. Every game has the ability to remap buttons, right? But back then we had to fight for it. Wow. And so, and that seems yeah. like a pretty low bar for entry. Right? For, yeah, you know. Yeah. So I know you're doing. I mean, again, you're doing incredible work with able gamers, um, yeah. raising a, a million recently. <laughs> yes. But what was your? And uh, I know we talked kind of about your first like multiplayer experiences. But yeah. do you remember the first game you ever played? Oh yeah, absolutely. The first game was I ever played was on the Atari. It was the uh, tennis game that they had. It was oh, really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, oldest dinosaur here. I, I, back then, um, my grandma, um, rest in peace, was around, and uh, my favorite human in the entire world. She was a double amputee, and uh, she had like this long wheelchair, like almost think about like a a giant two by four that she sat on in her wheelchair because wheelchairs were super advanced back then. And um, so she would sit in front of her TV and watch her soaps. And I would like uh, whine and cry at five and six years old until she would pick me up and put me in her lap. And I would play with uh, a trackball in front of me and just roll the trackball around. We were super not well off. So we got like the Atari from like a thrift store for 20 bucks or something like that, you know? And uh, the best memories I have was just, my grandma putting up with my shenanigans of me playing video games while she's just trying to watch her soap opera. Right? I'm over there like, but grandma games. And it was fun. Aww. 
That's amazing. I gotta say, man, you know, look, I also am I'm old as dirt. You'd be hard pressed to find a, a a box that gave me more fun than the Atari. I mean, right. that, that that console. And I think also like, it's just that time in our lives. Like mm-hmm. people who get into games when they're really young, it like, you know how like wolves imprint <laughs> on their mother? Like, That's right. like it's true. And I'm, I could hear, man, I fired up the Atari the other day and dude, I'm telling you like the sounds of certain mm-hmm. games are like hard coded into my DNA. Uh-huh. I was just like, oh, it's like giving me like crazy Manchurian candidate flashbacks of like, <laughs> oh, oh. like, you know, it's, but it's true. It's like at that age, it's such a different thing than people who come to games later in life. It is. You know? It's almost like you're impressionable at that age. And it's just, it's something that lets you know that like you could be welcome here. You're like, oh, yeah. I can do this with other people. This is really cool. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. I mean, and you know, I was never like a guy who played sports or anything. And so, but have getting to feel that camaraderie was, is just, it's a different thing, you know, and everybody should be able to feel it. Yeah, It's priceless. I mean, I think at the end of the day, we all just want to think that we have friends out there. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think video games help you do that. No, for sure. I mean, speaking of camaraderie and tying all of this together, I recently, I, I mean, I collect a lot of like old retro consoles and stuff like that. I just picked up this bad boy um like an old game boy color and uh (laughs) it's speaking of sounds i'm gonna do this for everybody here but it's the sound and it just it sums up an entire childhood oh yeah just the game boy ding you know that's it's a like a one second sound and it just brings back like a flood of memories that and the Tetris song, man. I'm telling you, like, do 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 do. Can we sit, can we play out. that? Yeah, yeah, hold on. Oh, man, this is going to be an expensive episode. Uh, <laughs> this is the highest highest produced uh, game nice <laughs> try episode. Ra- We're gonna have to raise another million just to pay for this episode. <laughs> oh, oh man, this worked the opposite way than I thought it would. Um, <laughs> so you're 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 a busy chap. You're a busy chap. You're out there. Yeah. You're, you know, you're on the you're on the streets. You're pounding the streets, getting the word out. What do you have time to play games now? <laughs> and what are what are you playing? What are you playing these days? My favorite thing to play right now is Escape from Tarkov. It's nice. uh, it's such it's such an addictive, uh, just bad relationship. It's just uh, it's <laughs> funny because I I had just put out a series of tweets talking about how you know I wasn't sure if I was going to play, and I'm thinking about giving it up because my arms are getting a little bit worse and. I'm I don't like to talk about it publicly much, but I try to be transparent and talk about, well, I do have a progressive disease. I am losing the ability to use my arms over time and I'm not able to you know, shoot guns and stuff anymore. So I'm kind of transitioning out of Fortnites and whatnot. Uh, but, you know, again, my friendship group is, is there. And so they, you know, walk around with me and play and, and play uh, protect the president. And, you know, I don't have to rely on myself shooting so much. And, you know, nice. it's it's good to have friends for that reason. But I just I love the game. And, and apparently I like hurting myself by playing this game. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's especially Tar- Tarkov is a really uh, yeah. punishing game. It is, yeah. it, but it's surprisingly accessible. That is the wild part about that game. Is it's, yeah, it's it's the only game I've ever seen where you they have it programmed in that you can push one button and it will do nine different things. It's, oh it's, wow! Yeah, it's very cool. Very that's cool. sick. I love and the design of that game is great. That's like my sweet spot for like the look and everything. I absolutely. It's I a beautiful. That. Listen, when you're not getting murdered, it's a beautiful game. <laughs> <laughs> For 10 seconds, I'm alive. It's great. Yeah, oh, yeah. look at that pretty. I enjoyed it for a very fleeting eight seconds. So, yeah. Do you now, do you rage quit? Do you get angry? I have never been a rage quitter. I am the, the worst part about my gaming personality is something like League of Legends, where like I play it and then I get to the point where I'm like, of course I won this game because I'm that good. Or else you lose. Oh. And you're like, why did I lose? I wasn't supposed to lose. I can't lose. So it's like either if you win or lose, you're, you're either way you're screwed because you're just like either you're, you're owed the win or else of course I won because I'm not amazing. Who cares? Oh, yeah. A sore winner. That's sore right. Winner. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that you, you know, you take ownership of that, though. You're, it's not it's not the team's fault it's not the you know you're like yeah, right. why did i do bad or right. why did i do good yeah why didn't i do better darn it i know better i could have carried the entire team <laughs> plus three games over the other thing it's like it's really interesting you know one thing i i really started doing a lot in the pandemic was was streaming which is interesting and you know the streaming thing has become obviously like so huge but also just for me a way to 
talk to people Mm -hmm. and interact with them, which is great. And I I love to see so many people raising money on Twitch. I think that's such a great thing, especially able gamers. It's like, Uh man, like so fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like where would you like to see like the streaming world go? Like where in five, 10 years, where would you like to see that, that part of, of video games uh, develop into. Oh, well, welcome to my TED talk. Um, so, <laughs> All right. That's right. All right. Let's go. All right. Uh, uh, my, my side gig, I'm a streamer. I stream five nights a week uh, for three hours or so a night. And I, I did it a lot because I wanted to build my platform and make a community. And what I found was uh, at first it was really scary with the idea of being in front of a camera. I know this is going to be a strange comment from someone talking to you on a camera. Uh, is But I was scared. I, I was honestly scared um you know i get made fun of for my appearance in real life uh and you know uh being a dude in a wheelchair who's overweight it, it is you know there's easy pickings when it comes to making fun of my physical appearance and so you know i he would think after all those years i would be immune to it but i'm not you never really get immune to it so i was i was afraid i was afraid to get on twitch afraid what i was going to find and yes there are trolls and there are jerks who have made comments over the years some that have even gone under my armor but they are the 0.2% of Twitch. There are so many amazing people on that platform. Friends that I have made, people that have uplifted me in my career, people who they don't even get to, to, to watch my streams. They just come in one time, they like my attitude or my jokes, so what the bad ones I can make, and they... <laughs> You know, they, they're like, here's my, you know, a couple of bucks a month to, to support what you do. And then I get to, you know, turn around and give it out to the community. We, yeah. you know, raise money for evil gamers. We recently did a Christmas thing where we were raising money for people in our community who couldn't afford to do Christmas. Like, there's all kinds of cool things you could do. A couple of my moderators got married. Uh, you know, they're, oh my they're, God. yeah, you know, it's like you get to introduce people. It's just so cool. Um, but it's very nice. That was a long diatribe about why I like streaming. But, um, the, the question was, you know, where do I want to see it go? And I think the truth is that, um, the record industry needs to get on board with streaming, uh, let people (laughs) use their music, uh, with a subscription fee, make us pay money to use it as part of our show. Because uh, it is a show, um, TV networks need to realize that there's a reason that you're getting more eyeballs on Twitch influencers than you are on some network shows, uh, and they need to realize that podcasting is a real profession and a real thing, and they need to incorporate this more into what we do. Uh, more people tune into my streams every week and listen to it in the background while they're at work or doing things than they do actually watch because they want to feel like they're there with someone. And so Mm -hmm. there's a couple of things that we haven't come around to in the entertainment industry that I think we really need to get on board with. And when we do, I think TV's in trouble. I think TV's going to have a run for its money. Totally great. I I do really like how um, you touched on being, being a part of a community like that. And there is parts where, you know, some people can be mean. Mm-hmm. People being mean on the internet, what? Right? I know. I told you I was sorry about that, son. I yeah, still Jesus. can't let it go. I still can't let uh, it go. I'm her biggest <laughs> troll and her biggest fan. Aww. But when I, you know, when I started YouTube and when I started Twitch, I, you know, you read through all the comments, you look at all the people in chat and you'll see like that hundred supporting comments, but it's always like the one. Mm-hmm. It's the one yep. that's mean and it just, it does stick with you. But you are right that, you know, the overall gratitude and the overall support of the community and just the good that can come out of it, like within the community and spilling over it outwards into yep. other causes and everything else is just so worth it. And it just completely dilutes like any of the negativity um, on the whole. And it's hard to remind yourself that like when it's happening, but it's so true. Um, and you are like such, you have such an incredible community and you yourself are like such a like beacon of inspiration. I love your nightly questions. <laughs> um, that really, I, I love reading those, and I love it. Makes me think, and it really, um, you know, it, it does give me a lot of inspiration. And one thing I really like about you is, um, you know, a point that you go back to often is being able to leave the world better than we found it. So mm-hmm. I'd love to ask you, for people out there listening, how can they do that? It- it's not as hard as people think. It's doing the one thing that you think is right. So my friends, um, James S.A. Corey, who wrote the Expanse series, they have a great monologue about this, which uh, sums up nicely in that 
All we can do is to do the best that we can for our conscience. If your conscience tells you something's right to do and you do it, you may never see the result of that. But it is better to do something good for people than it is to get the reward of knowing that what you did worked. What you did to try to do kindness may or may not succeed, but that's not up to you to decide. Your action in this world was to try to do the kindness, to be the one moment where a passing comment you made helped them through their day. Or maybe that comment that you made will be something they hang on to as a life raft in the middle of a giant brain weasel attack. And then maybe the thing that saves them. Um, you know, uh, one of the most scary and most powerful things I ever ran into doing those positivity tweets and writing about things is I had people messaging me on Twitter going, hey, I was thinking about the unthinkable yesterday and something you said really wrong about with me and I decided not to. And it was flattering, but it also came with some scariness because then I began to think, well, what if I don't say the right thing? What if I don't save someone? And and you can't let your mind go there. You have to realize that you're going to be able to help who you can. And you got to be there for who you can be there for. So sometimes when I hear people talking about that they'd like to be more of a beacon of positivity, I just tell them to start doing it. It sounds like the most blow-off answer in the world. But if you are able to help one or two people, I truly do believe in the butterfly effect. What we do today to help one person helps somebody else who then is all around to help somebody else. And therefore, if you live your life that way, if you live your life where you did one act of kindness, maybe it's making someone smile. Maybe that's your superpower. Maybe you can tell one bad joke that just gives someone enough of a smile in their heart to keep going for one more day. Maybe that person will be there for somebody who needed them the following day. And that was thanks to you. Oh, yeah. That was wow. beautiful. And I will say Aaron has plenty of bad jokes to go around uh, <laughs> to make everybody happy. So what do you mean? <laughs> you've got plenty to share. Who's the troll now? I love the giant heartfelt speech followed by the shots fired. That's I know, Jesus. I was like, I was like reaching in for a group hug for everyone, and then Sonya just knife in the ribs. <laughs> knife in the ribs. I will ribs. say through through uh, swelling happy tears, I I did I did want to include that was beautiful. <laughs> but no, and, and I'll you know, never and, I'll and, never miss a shot at Aaron though. <laughs> That's true. Too juicy to give up. Thank you for putting out so much great positivity. Mm -hmm. Thank you for all the work you're doing and not just professionally, but personally. Thank you for your streams. I mean, again, I mean, leading by example, you know, mm -hmm. I'm sure you started doing that back in Ultima Online and now you're doing <laughs> it in now for 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 the greater good in, in the real world, which is yeah. fantastic. So I appreciate um, that. And, yeah, and absolutely. Don't, don't be afraid to make mistakes. I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's uh, I, I've I've made my fair share of mistakes. You know, I I have people who don't like me in the disability community. Like I have I have overextended myself or put my foot on the wrong spot more than once. And, and you know, all I can do is I can try. And I think we can all say that. And you just have to not let it discourage you from being who you are. At the end of the day, you know, places like this are because someone thought that making a comedy podcast would be fun or, you know, that, uh, you know, Conan O'Brien going through his struggles and through his things, you're going through yours, Aaron, you going through yours, Sonia. It's, it's, we all have our struggles and our triumphs, right? Um, but at the end of the day, it's what got us here. So, you know, really at the end of the day, you just keep pushing forward and trying to do the best you can. And I'd rather make a mistake by trying to do good than not, than make the mistake of just not doing anything at mm -hmm. all. You know, like that, I feel like, well, if I fail, at least I'm trying. And then you learn, yeah. you know. Or just yeah, do something different. You're, none of us are, are the, you know, the biggest thing I ever put on Twitter by accident was where I talked about how we are all three-dimensional. Like, you guys are not just podcast hosts, you know. You're both streamers. You're both yeah. personalities in your own rights. You both go out and do the world and do different things. You know, I'm not Steve of Able Gamers. I'm Steve Spawn. You know, I, <laughs> so I am not just an Able Gamers mouthpiece. Like, I do my yeah. own thing. And so you can do lots of things in this world. You don't have to limit yourself to just one. You can be a good person, and you can also troll your friends. You know, it's, it's okay to do more than one. <laughs> one thousand. You can be good and evil at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> it's balance. Uh, well, balance. It, it's all about balance. Uh, we love to end every interview by asking our guests their best game and their worst game. So not, you know, in the world, the greatest and worst game, but for you, what is the game you despise the most 
or, you know, the one that broke your heart. And then what is the game that is your favorite game of all time? So let's start with the one that that annoys you or you despise the most. Anything come to mind? The one that I absolutely despise would have would be what they did to Star Wars Galaxies. I will never forgive them for ruining that game. It was a masterpiece. Sony, you suck for letting Smedley hurt it. <laughs> Put it on record. Not a fan of Smedley. <laughs> It's out there now. Wait, what yep, what did they I, I I wish I was more familiar, but mm. what what happened? So essentially they made this giant MMO sandbox where you could build houses and make guilds and go through the planet and be bounty hunters and Jedi's and then they turned it into Fortnite. Oh, <laughs> yep. that's like, like physically a, painful to like hear. Like a bad Fortnite too, without like <sighs> dances. Yeah, it was sad. I, I was like honestly on paper that sounds cool, but then yeah, I you, mean, they literally changed genres in the middle uh, of the subscriptions. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. That's heartbreaking. So, yeah. Jesus, there's nothing worse than like, especially like some kind of thing done for like a cash grab or financial. That's the word. You know, yeah, they were like, oh, we got to change it to this. It's uh, like, that, that, that was it during the rise of all the FPSs. They were like, we're going to change our market to be more consumer friendly. And then yeah. they lost all their people. And then they <laughs> shut the game down. So. Not yeah. everything has to be a BR. Right? I'm going to... Put it out there. Yeah, please put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get that tattooed. Ultima, Ultima Online Battle Royale. Here we go. <laughs> okay, uh, here we go. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, okay. So that's, but no, yes. what's the best though? We're going to uh, end on a high note. What is your favorite game of all time? Easy. Rocket League. Rocket League uh, is a fantastic woo. game. Nice. I mm-hmm. uh, only use a mouse and a hat on my head and I'm platinum in that game. So. Uh, Damn. <laughs> so anytime, I, anytime you want a challenge, let's go. Dude, nope. I I am just I am so blessed <laughs> when <laughs> when I can touch the ball. Yeah, <laughs> that's a win for me in Rocket yeah. League. So yeah. you're on another level, man. <laughs> I will I will say I love Rocket League is one of the games I love watching the most because mm-hmm. man, people and I'm sure Stephen, I'm sure this yep. is you who are good at it. It is it is a a sport. Yeah, and it is yeah. it is similar when people are like shooting through the air and doing the thing where they flip around and hit the ball. It's like watching Messi. It's like watching yeah, football, absolutely. like for real. I mean, it's that it's that flow of like, and I'm just like, how the fuck are you doing this, man? Like, it's crazy. And then I play, and I'm truly humbled. Truly humbled. I'm very humbled. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Quickly. It's got to be able to see the angles in your mind, like a beautiful mind, you know? And if I hit the shot uh, yeah, there, right. it goes this way. All it's... the math everywhere, yeah. Neo seeing the whole <laughs> Even right. my mom is, I played with Rocket League with my mom, and even my mom is better than me at Rocket League. Like that's, wow. you know, Mary Blair is not, you know. So there you go. Incredible. And she's got a brain like a squirrel. She's like, oh, what does this do? And she scores goal, scores goal. And like, <laughs> that's when I rage quit, Steven. That's awesome. Okay, well, we found your weakness. All right. <laughs> One of many. <laughs> uh, well, Stephen, thank you so much for being here. Uh, this was this was awesome. And, and again, like you know, please come back anytime. Uh, and Hi, it's uh, my podcast now. Thank you. Uh, there you like go. You thank there uh, you go. You Aaron Blair, thank you for being here. Uh, yeah. New co-host. Yeah, <laughs> new co-host. Exactly. Aaron, we didn't want to tell you this this way, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for our podcast, Stephen. Uh, I can't wait. Let's go. Thank you so much to Stephen for joining us and for his time. What an incredible conversation. If you can, go check out Able Gamers. What they're doing there is just absolutely incredible. Go support. And it was just such a joy having him on and learning a lot more. So we're going to take a really quick break, but stick around. We won't be too long. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. All right, we're back. So uh, listen, Game Book Club, time for a little update. As you guys know, uh, we are doing our second round of Game Book Club, which is 
we are, uh, the three of us are playing a game with you, and the game that we are all playing is Firewatch. So uh, let's get a little bit of a Firewatch update, shall Ooh, we? A little fireside Firewatch chat. Ooh. I love it. I love that. I love it. So what do you guys think? So we've all cracked it open. What 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 are our first impressions? Oh my gosh. I mean, right off the bat, uh, it just felt like something that was laying the groundwork for something that was going to punch me in the gut emotionally. Okay. Um, <laughs> Is that a positive or negative? You know what? Both. Okay. Um, I, it's, a, it's a, it's a, what a, a, a nausative. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 I, I really, I mean, I'm enjoying it so far. I that I just want to get that out of the way, but yeah, just through the conversations at the beginning, like laying the groundwork with his history and, you know, um, his, his wife and everything. It just, ah, just the conversations, you knew that you're going to have to make difficult, com- uh, difficult decisions and gosh, it's just, it's really hard. It, it was hard to get through. <laughs> it packed a punch right away. It really did. It didn't waste any time. But I will say, like, it is gorgeous. Yes. Like, the whole world is gorgeous. It's beautiful. Love the graphics. Love the color palette. Mm-hmm. Really great. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't like, you know the movie Up? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Waste oh, no gosh, time. I see, I see where this is going. Yeah. Yeah. Where this is going. <laughs> yeah. Up makes you cry in the first 10 minutes, yep. really in an unfair way. I mean, like, Up is a great movie, and I love it, but, like, fuck you, man. You know, like, don't do that. And Firewatch did that, too. Right off the bat, I'm like, okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're getting a dog. Oh, we're dating. Oh, it's so, it's a meat cute. And I knew, I knew they were going to push me off an emotional cliff. Mm-hmm. I knew it. I could smell it. So I immediately was like, no, I'm not going to care. I don't care. Great. <gasps> I hope everyone in this game dies. Whoa. Screw everyone. Like, I was against it. Okay. Emotionless you run. Okay. Me so I went, yeah, wow. I went straight into this game just, like, full of hate. All right. So then the way that you, and this is a weird thing. I don't know if you guys felt like this, but the way that you talk in the game is like, uh, and for those who haven't played Firewatch, um, you uh, start off, you you know, it starts off telling you a bit about a story about you and your wife and all this stuff. And then you become a fire watcher, I guess. And you're talking on a walkie talkie, right? <laughs> to, the, to, this other, to this other person. And the way that you select there's a small thing, but follow me on this. The way that you select and, and speak is you hold down the left trigger and then select what you want to say back, then release it, okay? And immediately, because I'm full of hate already because of emotional manipulation, and I'm like, I hate this mechanic. Oh. If I have to play the whole game like this, I'm going to lose it's my like mind. It's like a walkie-talkie. It's, it's like an actual simulation. Five like- minutes in, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. It actually makes so much sense. It's so quick. Cause you could just be like, hold the trigger, select the thing. And it just, and then it started, I started getting into the flow of it. And I really love this game. It I like absolutely love like it. It feels like a walkie talkie. Feels like a walkie talkie. And it, the same thing with, um, you know, just how immersive it is. I, at one point got kind of lost wandering back from the lake. And like, I actually, as I would do in real life, used the compass. Right. I was like, Mm -hmm. I know it's here. And it's just like that mechanic is fascinating. And just to be like, okay, wait, the problem solving, I loved it. I'm like, my biggest frustration, I will say, I don't rage quit games very often, but I will tell you my number one by far, bar none frustration in games is getting lost. Because I am, I am a big dummy when it comes to navigation in real life. And in video games, I cannot navigate. If I was actually out in the forest, I would be absolutely screwed. Um, but I, yeah, I found myself looking at the map and the the compass a lot, a lot. But my first reaction, just being out in the forest, immediately I was like, oh my God, Jenna's going to love this game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were spot on. I was like, this is for me. This is mm-hmm. perfect. I loved it. Like everything about it. I was like, this is what I do on the weekends anyway. So perfect. (laughs) Yeah. And it's really, I think at first blush, I'm loving this game, colors, music, voice acting, all great. Love the mechanics. Uh, the only thing my, my legitimate complaint about it is kind of something you guys both mentioned. It's the map. And this is the smallest Mm -hmm. thing, but when I bring up the map, I just wish instead of, this is the smallest thing, but a really good example of how video game UI is important. It shows you where you are as a little circle. 
And it's very subtle which direction you're pointing in. And I just Mm -hmm. wish instead of a circle, they had made it an arrow. It is so annoying to me to be like, okay, here's the big tree. And I'll walk to what I think is towards the big tree and I'm walking away from it. I need to keep pulling up the map. Just show me easily what direction I'm pointing. For somebody who is so, so stupid with directions, it is, I will say that that is honestly my biggest frustration. Me too. And also, I just want to be able to run with the map. Like oh, having, interesting. which like makes, I can, I can get from like, I yeah. can get, I can get why they make you do that. Cause it makes sense. You know, I wouldn't really be doing that in real life, like sprinting with a map and a compass and not really being able to see where I'm going. It makes sense. But from gameplay, like yeah. I'm already on a path. I just yeah. want to triple check. I'm going in the right direction and keep going, but I need to like pause. I'm moving so slow and then I pull yeah. it up. So that I will say that is my only frustration, but you know, I I'm getting pretty into the thick of it. I think we all are. So if you uh, haven't picked it up yet, or you're still, you know, working on day one or, you know, getting into it, catch up, come catch up and play with us. And I want to hear what you guys think. Excited to keep playing. I can't wait. Um, and yeah, I'm into the walkie talkie uh, thing, which is great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty into it. I can't wait to get more into it over the weekend. And uh, yeah, let me know where you guys are at. Tweet us at good game, nice try. Let us know. How are you enjoying it? Do you like the walkie talkie? How creeped out are you? <laughs> I want to know all of it. But yeah, that does it for this week. This flew by. Did. Today did. absolutely flew by. Um, but yeah, make sure to tweet us at good game, nice try. Let us know where you're at. Come catch up and play Firewatch with us. And we'll see you all next week. Good Game, Nice Try is produced by Jen Samples and Nick Liao. Our executive producers are Joanna Solitaroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross. Engineering by Eduardo Perez, with engineering and sound design by Chester Guazda. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. Special thanks to Lisa Berm. Music by John. This has been a Team Coco production. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com.